I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Battleground Productions presents Brass, the audio series, episode 22, Hostelries and Houses. Two days have passed since the state funeral for the Brass family, yet the mourning continues, both public and in private, and in some unlikely quarters. These include the mahogany and smoke interior of the London pub known as the Sleeping Lion, where two men sit in the corner. On the table in front of them are nearly a dozen... More than... more than a dozen... Empty pint glasses. That's a lot of beer. She is gone, Conrad. That's the sad truth, mate. She and her marvelous family are all dead. Bless them. They were the first family of the realm. God save them. And I killed them. Lord Whitestone, oh, mate, you must stop this. A bomb killed them, a whacking big bomb dropped by a stolen royal male dirigible that I let drop. Let's get this straight. You leapt at 8,000 feet from my fliver onto the gas bag of the dirigible. You climbed down into said dirigible. You single-handedly killed nine armed men with your bare hands. You didn't let anything happen. I appreciate your words, Conrad, but there are no words that can take from me this shame. Well then, my compatriot. Let me instead buy you a drink. Barmaid? Yes, sir? Another round for my friend and me. Oh, I, sir. She's a saucy wench, don't you think? I cannot think of any woman without comparing her to the paragon of virtue and beauty who died because of my failure. All right, then. That topic's off the table. Are you drunk yet? I'm not sure. How can I tell? Repeat after me. She sat upon the balcony. Who? 
No, I want you to say the words after me. After me? Not after me. No? No. Say these words after me. Hang on, what's that coming towards us? It is Ponder Wright. Which part? Ah, Lord Whitestone. Hello, Ponder. This is Conrad Grassley, my friend and drinking companion. He is also an aviator. Pleased to make your acquaintance. And I yours. I am glad to see you have a drinking partner tonight. Just keeping an eye on the big fellow. And he bought my flivver. Your flivver? The Butteridge Fixed Wing Flivver. It flies without a gas bag. Ah, well, good for you. Lord Whitestone, might I speak with you? You are. I mean, in confidence. I trust Conrad with my life. As I do you. Very well. I am trying to gather all information I can from our recent misadventure and the tragedy that resulted. Why? Before their unfortunate end, I was approached by members of the Brass family for assistance in investigating a mystery. You're a detective? Yes. You may have heard of me under the sobriquet of the Mechanical Detective. Ha! I thought you were made up to sell newspapers. How flattering to think I might help sell newspapers. Excuse me. Our drinks. What do you have, handsome? Nothing for me, thank you. Unless you have some apple cider vinegar you can heat up to a boil. I find it stimulating. I'll go back to the bar and ask. You were saying, Ponder? Lord Whitestone, I wish to interview at that length about your experience. I need to know everything that you remember from that fateful day. It is very painful for me to remember. In fact, mate, I don't mean to be unfriendly, but we're here to forget in general, and very specifically, we are trying to forget that fateful day. Mr. Grassley, I know my query comes hard on the heels of a tragedy in which all of us were involved. I myself had both admiration and a personal fondness for the Brasses which is why discovering the true identities of their assailants is so vital to me. I understand what you are asking, Ponder, but I don't think I have anything else to tell you. If I should think of anything, any scrap of information that might be helpful, I shall, of course, contact you. And that is all I ask. Lord Whitestone, I shall not trouble you further. You know my address on Clacker Street. Feel free to call at any time. Mr. Grassley? A pleasure. Gentlemen, good night. Seems a decent chap. Uh, he is. Is, is, is. I believe I am drunk. Hooray! Let's celebrate with another round, me old mucker. Very well. Order me another drink, Conrad. I must go make room for it. Excuse me. Ah, uh, barmaid. Yes, sir. I require another pair of pints. That big fella you're with, is your employer? I think perhaps he's my employer. I know that I am his friend. If you are as good a friend as I believe you to be, I have important information that I must entrust to you, and you are to tell no one, particularly Lord Whitestone. I'm sorry? I know you've been drinking, but Mr. Grassley, I need you to listen very carefully. You must get Lord Whitestone out of the country. What? Why? Because he's not safe here. 
The people responsible for the attack on the Brasses are well aware of his allegiance, and he may well be their next target. What's more, his presence here endangers the lives of others, including people he currently believes are dead. You mean... the Brasses? Exactly. But why do you need him out of London? As you may have noticed, dissembling with conviction is not a skill within his wheelhouse. He doesn't seem to lie much, no. That is why he must not, for now, be told otherwise, and why he must leave England. Do you have any contacts on the continent? I do, in fact. There's a pair of aeronauts near Paris who have sent me an invitation to come out and visit their workshop. Perfect. Please, take this note, and use it to get the pair of you there as soon as possible. What does the note say? Hundred pounds sterling, backed by the Bank of England. Travelling expenses. Please, Mr. Grassley, as you are his friend, do me this favour, and you serve him as well. I don't know. My life and the lives of several people much loved and admired by Lord Whitestone depend on your service. Here he comes. Will you do it? Yes. Thank you, kind sir. Have you ordered more drinks from this barmaid? Yes, sir. Excuse me. I do not think I enjoy being drunk, Conrad. My balance and speech have been affected. Also, as I stood in the backyard awaiting my time in the privy, a man nearby said something unpleasant to me. I picked him up and threw him over the fence, and this troubles me as I don't regret doing so. Lord Whitestone, old mate, you need to get your mind off of all of this. All of what? This whole tragic brass business. I want you to come with me to visit an aerodrome in France where I've got a standing invite. Those French aeronauts, they've got us all beat, though I hate to say it, when it comes to dirigibles. But they've never seen something like the Butteridge, I'll wager. And you'll have a chance to get up in the air again, in some conveyance or another. I did enjoy the ride in your fixed-wing flivver very much, Conrad. And I enjoy your company. Let's take ourselves to the continent for a month or two and see our problems from a greater distance. Like 8,000 feet up? Very well. We shall do so. Now, where are our beers? And where is our barmaid? Here you go, sir. Some eaten apple cider vinegar for you. Thank you, young lady. Don't mention it. Ponder. Do we know each other? Yes, but look at your drink. All right. When last we saw each other, I was leaping rooftops and you were battling costermongers. Hello, my friend. How did you survive? We all did, thanks to our parents. And thanks to you. You're so very grateful, dear Ponder. I'm so very happy you're alive. Well, we're hoping to stay that way, so for now, it's strictly on the QT. Understood. Now, my friend, will you be in your office at ten tomorrow morning? I can be. Good. As I recall, we had employed you to undertake an investigation. That you did. To uncover the identity of a particular person. That's correct. And I am to assist you in your work, because we believe that the particular person you are searching for is the person responsible for the murder of the Brass family. Yet at that very moment in the dark room beneath the East End Rookery, the mysterious figure who the two detectives are in search of receives a visit from his chief lieutenant. Sir? 
Report, Mr. Crawford. The man's an idiot. We already know that. Can he read a speech? Yes. And deliver it? I suppose. You suppose? Apparently, between the oaring and drinking at Oxford, he got up to amateur dramatics. And he's got that, what, that way of talking like a tough. To the manor born. He'll make it sound all right, but I don't think he understands half of it. Little matter. And, sir, all due respect, but I'm not sure I do either. What are you trying to do here? The brasses are dead. London is ours for the taking. The police are fools and the coffers are open. We can all get as rich as Cretius and retire to our own islands in Greece. What are you doing? Stirring us all up into politics. Ours for the taking. <laughs> Mr. Crawford, why are you still thinking of our playing field in such a small way? We're not in control of a single city. We're in control of the capital of the empire. If we're going to own it, we need to work out the best way to run it for our profit. I thought our business was crime, not government. Mr. Crawford... Government is the most remunerative criminal activity there is. The fact is, there are too few honest people with money in England who must seek pockets to pick elsewhere. The financial and material transactions of an empire are vast. To maximize our profits, all we must do is open up the right doors. And with luck, we found the right key in our Lord Trent. The next afternoon in the House of Lords, the assemblage is surprised when a backbencher more notable by his absence than presence in that august hall raises his voice. Mr. Speaker? Mr. Speaker? The House recognises the Honourable Lord Trent of Basingstoke. Lords and fellow Britons, we have heard much in the last week about the tragedy that has befallen our nation. There has been much sorrow expressed at our loss, much talk about the heroic character of those who gave their lives to save others. But I do not share this sorrow, and I do not believe this was a tragedy. No, I am far too filled with a righteous wrath to mourn. This was no tragedy. It was an outrage, an attack not just on one family, but on an entire nation. Those responsible for the deaths of the Brass family seek to still the great beating heart of England, to destroy our empire by striking at its very core. We are told by the constabulary who allowed this outrage that the perpetrators were some sort of shadowy criminal conspiracy, that their detectives will soon root them out from their rookeries and dens. Well, you may believe me that no mere collection of crooks and pickpockets are responsible for this tragedy. For all men of intelligence and character can discern a much more insidious enemy at work here. I speak of the enemies of our empire, those beyond our shores and those who have managed 
thanks to the feeble-minded and misguided belief in an open society, to infiltrate our country like rats creeping onto our docks from a foreign vessel. By opening our borders to any free-thinking crank, any anarchist, mullah, rabbi, or agitator, we have flooded our own land with a contagion. And just like the rats who they resemble, these strangers carry plague. The plague of loyalty not to our queen, but to our enemies. The plague of dangerous ideas and false gods. The plague of vile ideologies that will rot our ideal society from within unless we be willing to respond as we must with desperate and effective measures. Our enemy is not only at our frontier. He is within the gate, in our land, disguised as a harmless shopkeeper, a mere school teacher, a humble mechanician. Yet he is neither harmless nor humble, for he plots more destruction upon our capital and our nation. This time it was a bomb that leveled a street. Perhaps next time it shall be a park or a hospital, or the very halls of Parliament where we meet today. Therefore, gentlemen, I am proposing the formation of an investive inquiry, one that shall find the real perpetrators of this terrible attack, those who are now hidden amongst the people, indeed, perhaps in the very corridors of Whitehall. Oh, yes, there are enemies among us, make no mistake. And when we find them, when we root them out, we shall show them the same mercy that they exhibited when they leveled Babbage Street and killed not only one family, but the faith of this nation. But while we did not begin this war upon all that is good and civilized, by God we shall end it. Our cause is righteous, our motives are pure, and against this creeping menace of foreign influence we shall prevail. As the chamber erupts in calls and shouts, Lord Trent smiles basking in the unfamiliar glow of public approbation. And high above in the gallery, another man smiles, pleased with the results of his plan. Ah, it begins. My word! What awful proceedings have now begun? What does this frightful speech denote for the future of England and for the Brass family? For the answers to these and other questions, join us soon for the next episode of Brass. Brass is manufactured by Battleground Productions and features Kate Cray as Lady Brass, Charles Leggett as Lord Brass, Catherine Grant Sutty as Gwendolyn Brass, and Jeremy Adams as Cyril Brass, with Larry Albert, Margie Bickman, Lisa Carswell, Yusuf El Gindi, Nancy Fry, Ronnie Hill, Philip Keeman, John Longenbar, Matt Middleton, Terry Edward Moore, 
Tad Morgan and Nikki Vissel. Brass was recorded at Seattle Voice Academy, engineered by Shana Pennington-Bard and Chris Lea, with sound designed by Kirsty Gilmore and music composed by Bruce Monroe. It was written and directed by John Longenbaugh. For more information on Brass, go to battlegroundproductions.org, find us on Facebook and Instagram, and to support us, fund us on Patreon, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>